0: News Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It's Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper here. On the agenda today, the FA Cup fourth round doesn't disappoint. It's goals galore with no less than 61 scored over the weekend.
1: The Aussie invasion continues... <laughs> Very well Do you well like done. it? As Caitlin Ford's transfer to Arsenal is confirmed. And we're speaking to the departing Nick Cushing as he looks ahead to his final week in charge of Manchester City. And what a couple
0: of games he's got to go out on. Joining us on today's show, singer, songwriter, record producer and big football fan. Hello, Shora. Hello. Now great to have you here. Yeah,
1: and, and this is a little known fact. You're not just a football fan. You played with Manchester City until you are about 16. So much of your young years, or many of your young years, were spent knocking a ball around. This is a very interesting fact indeed. Just yeah. tell us a little bit about how it, how it worked with your life at that time.
2: Um, well, I think when when I was a kid, bizarrely, my, my dad hates football. <laughs> okay. Absolutely hates it. And um, he had two sons and a daughter, and he spent a very long time, it put a lot of effort into making sure that his sons would not play football, enjoy football... And kind of, I got to about seven, six or seven years old, and he had a girlfriend at the time who was a big West Ham fan, and I sort of got became curious. And uh, at about that age, I turned around and said to my dad, "I'd quite like to play football." And he was like, "Oh God, <laughs> I did not see this coming," because he spent so much effort, kind of preventing my my How brother did he
0: do that was it because he just shoved rugby at them or no i yeah. mean he doesn't like
2: sport oh, full okay. stop i think the only thing that he watches is wimbledon he's just not a kind of sporty guy at all and yeah so i i kind of at that age started playing and i kind of was a mass- massive tomboy so it didn't even ever occur to me that this was something maybe that yeah. girls weren't or didn't do or i just sort of ignored all the all the weird looks I got from boys at my at my school and, and actually I, I for some reason I think maybe because I'm very competitive got quite good and I ended up playing in kind of tournaments in, in primary school you know in mixed tournaments and and was scouted at kind of the age of eight or nine by wow. uh, Manchester City for, for
1: Manchester City mm-hmm. yeah we'll talk more about your career um, a little later on but I just wanted to find out what your kind of key defining whether it was positional, whether it was a move or not you had how would you sum up you as a as a youth footballer which bit of the game was your forte do you think um so i was famous for
2: something that i wouldn't be able to get away with i think in today's (laughs) game which is uh, the slide tackle
0: oh yeah, (laughs) yeah it's dying
2: yeah sadly but also it's a good thing because you know if it goes wrong it's pretty damaging to another person but um yeah i was i have to say i always got the ball
0: that must have hurt on those primary school playgrounds <laughs>
2: You know I oh no, I did well I mean my knee at the moment is covered I mean I, I'm playing again now for, for the first time in a while, and, and I have to say I, I had forgotten how much pain you end up being in if you do end up on the floor, especially on the kind of turf and stuff. but I didn't slide on the concrete. no that would have been uh... horrendous.
0: <laughs> Can I ask you briefly so before we come on to your career a bit later on in detail, um, you, you know there's Chelsea Grimes footballer yeah. music, monkey DJ mm-hmm. likes music. There's this music link in women's football. there yeah. seems to be quite a few examples. Yeah. Georgia as well, I think, plays yes. plays football, yeah. Why do you think that is?
2: You
1: know what? I have absolutely no idea. Um but I, do you know what it could be? It it could be that unlike my generation, I'm 41 sure as well, yeah. 28 or so. Yeah. You know, you were exposed to football a lot more at school, you were often taught it at school more than I ever was. So just perhaps it's because a lot of these artists were. were no, no, no. I played a lot of football
0: at school and I can't sing. <laughs> I've well, not got a musical bone in my body. It's debatable whether or not I can. So. Oh,
1: sure. <laughs> uh, we know you released an album last year and we're going to be hearing tracks from you throughout the show. So if you wonder who the music is, look her up. It's Shura and we'll be listening to more of her tunes during the show and finding out a little bit more about you, a life in music
0: and a life in football and how that works together. In fact, let's do that now on to the football business, we'll come back to the music business, Uh, FA Cup fixtures, so 16 (laughs) games made up at the fourth round of the FA Cup at the weekend, so every WSL side taking on lower league opposition avoided a Cup upset, we've got none of those to talk about, but there were some very interesting ties for us to take note of. We'll go into some more depth and get the results that caught our eye, starting with a closer look at the very much anticipated Manchester derby. Now derbies don't always deliver, but this one did, if you're a neutral 5 goals goals. Reigning champions Man City made the short trip to Lee Sports Village to take on Manchester United. So City coming out on top, the game finished 3-2 to the away side. Two goals from Ellen White. But United fans not at all happy after what looked like a clear goal was ruled out for not crossing the line.
3: Can't come for it. And it's surely over the line. No. It looked over the line. The assistants on the far side said it hasn't crossed. Lizzie Arnott's puzzled. And of course, there's no goal line technology to help us out. It just seemed like it was over the line when Roebuck clawed it back. That's my gut feeling. It's not the referees and it's not the assistants either.
0: Kate, you've been watching this one. Shora, you were watching it as well. What were your thoughts?
2: Well, I was quite stressed out for the first half hour, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Obviously, it's it's a conflicting fixture for me, having played for Manchester City, but being a Manchester United fan. Oh. But, I, but I have to say, in the women's game, I always support City out of loyalty to mm-hmm. to okay. my roots. But um, yeah, I found the first half hour stressful. I thought there were quite a few loose balls from the back, which can often happen, I guess, in a, in a derby in a big game because you're nervous. And I guess... Interestingly, there were quite a few loose balls from City, but it was the first goal came from a loose ball from, from United. Mm. And the one person you don't want the ball to fall to is Ellen White. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a stressful opening, but um, I enjoyed
1: it. It was really good fun. <laughs> it was a frantic first half as well. It was Abby McManus for Manchester United who made the error that led to Ellen's goal. And you don't want Ellen around when you make those mistakes, but it did take half an hour for City to get on the school sheet via her, actually. I know that we're chatting to Nick Cushing later, so we'll have to find out what he thought. But I know that after the game, he was like, honestly, Derby's just ridiculous. But they did settle down in the second half. Although I thought, actually, for most of the second half... That United were actually on top. A really good goal from Lauren James. Did you see this one? Yeah, no,
2: I did. I, I did. It was it was brilliant. There was there were some great goals, um, and also potentially a goal that never was. But again, we really couldn't see it. It was um, from the angles that I kept kind of on
1: on the replays watching
2: it, and I was like, it's so frustrating that mm. there's.
1: What did you think, Lynn? So, so this was Abby and McManus again, who had an attempt from close range, but there was a, lots of goal mouth action going on. I thought from Twitter and from the stills I saw, I thought it looked like it crossed the line because Ellie Roebuck appears to, I mean look, maybe she receives it over one side of the line and then bundles it back into the goal. I don't know, but there was definitely a
0: little bit of movement and it involved Ellie Roebuck's hands. It it did. The thing is, she was quite clever. I don't know whether intentionally, but because of where her arms are, you can't actually see properly whether the ball has fully crossed the line or not. And that is the definitive rule. And the problem is as well, without goal line technology, without the proper cameras that are on the goal line, if you're taking one from anywhere else, the angle can be deceptive. We've seen it. Time and time again, in different examples, in the men's and women's games, where you could have a, a goal that's clearly over the line in one picture, and then from another angle, it looks like it isn't. So it's so difficult. My gut reaction was that I thought it might might have crossed the line because because of reactions. You look at different players' reactions, but the I do think that is, yeah. Ellie Roebuck was yeah. very quick to bundle it back over. Yeah, again. I mean, the
2: first thing that I always look at is is the goalkeeper and the defenders of the of the team who might have conceded. And I think normally you can sort of tell if a player is like, Trying very hard to not draw attention to something mm. it, that can sometimes be an indication of the fact that they know it's a bit like kind of when someone fouls someone and they're ve- suddenly very quiet and don't kind of really try to pretend like <laughs> yes. it didn't really happen. It's a um, giveaway.
1: It sure is. The
0: the only thing that did surprise me was that there were some protests from Manchester City players, but it did it didn't feel like everyone was in uproar about it. Whichever way it went, I think United will feel sore. Well,
1: do feel sore. I think that's safe to say after Casey Stone's comments after the game. And fair enough as well. Actually, they had more shots at. Golden City in the game as a whole and you know, definitely
0: took it to them I think there's a lot more attempts nowadays in the women's game across the board for bits of flair, bits of creativity, we saw that backheel, Demi Stokes was involved in one and I'm loving seeing that in the game because I think the thing that you can't dispute is that the skill base of women's players is so lovely to watch and it might not be quite as fast as as what the men can play sometimes but the skill factor is there
2: that's sort of understandable when the level of investment in in the women's game isn't, isn't as high. Oh, and like, how far
0: behind we still are. Yeah. yeah, everyone still thinks, you know...
2: I mean, just to take it back to, you know, rather, you know, this is not talking about the skills at the moment, but just look at the camera angles. Look at the fact that we are debating that goal. OK, goal line technology, I think that's a, we're a long way from that in the women's game. But one thing we know we could do that that's not going to be excruciatingly expensive is more camera angles or better camera mm. angles. Like... I was very frustrated watching the game that
0: that was all you, because all you we couldn't had. see it properly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And yeah. often
0: you see these games and there's just one camera and yeah. I mean you can't really get. Or oh, you can't
2: game. watch them at all. I mean, I had yes. a friend tweeting that um, you know there are 11 games kicking off and not one you you couldn't yeah, watch. Yeah,
1: it was one. it was incredibly tough. I mean, I saw highlights on the BBC of the Manchester derby. There were little bits and bobs floating around on club websites, et cetera, but very, very The poor. competitions
0: in particular are the ones yeah. that I yeah. think suffer and yeah. are ignored And also, more. at
1: this stage as well, when, when when the WSL sides come into it, the FA player, I think, should have perhaps been across a little more, or at least spoken to clubs to try and get a bit of highlight yeah. footage together. Mm. But there is um, a big glaring hole yeah. it's in the when, FA player's yeah. website <laughs> <when> <laughs> these <laughs> matches are meant to be. It's sad when the
2: only way you can sort of watch a game is a live stream from the fans' Twitter account, yes, you know, or, just, or, or a fan who's Just literally who's there. looking
1: at a random journalist's. B- I, mean, I mean, I was at the Chelsea game yesterday, Charlton Chelsea game, and I, and I did try to film and post as much on Insta as I could, but you know, typically I kept missing. The- <laughs> And in the second <laughs> half, I wasn't near the goal enough. My my uh, view was blocked. Um, but yeah, it's tough, tough indeed. All right, should we move on to uh, matters on Sunday, Lins?
0: Yes, goals from Katie McCabe and Leah Walty sent 14 time winners Arsenal into the fifth round of the FA Cup. Joe Montemoro was looking for a reaction from his players following that 4 1 defeat to Chelsea last week. He got it with a 2 0 win at last year's runners up West Ham. <laughs> now, Matt Beer did opt for three centre backs with this one England under 20 captain as well Grace Frisk joined in December she slotted in alongside Jilly Flaherty and I thought she impressed actually Yeah, she's a good signing
1: for them and I think it's basically interesting how he packed out defensively for this one. How did Arsenal look, after that defeat to Chelsea? Because this was really imperative wasn't it for them to
0: get back on track? It was and I I think he got the reaction from them that he wanted. Both goals very good goals, nothing by chance about them. It was a very structured performance. McCabe, that was her first Arsenal goal and what a volley it was. So she, she really excites me. In fact, this Arsenal team from front to back do. The four one defeat to Chelsea I think is a little bit of an anomaly if you compare the rest of the season and I thought they got straight back to where they were before it is when they come up against sides that the Manchester City's which they will do in the Conti it, Cup this yes. week and then again um, in the WSL as well yeah that those are the real <laughs> challenges now is is against the Manchester City's and Chelsea's and and who is the better but here I thought it, it was pretty standard um stuff from Arsenal and yeah I don't think that West Ham ever looked really like they were going to score Well, on to the game that you were at next, Kate, because you were at Charlton, your local club. Um, They got beaten 4-0 by Chelsea. I think you went there half expecting that they would get beaten. But in terms of performance, (laughs) what did you make? Well, this was a
1: lovely FA Cup tie in that I took my other half and I took my two kids along as well. Because, you know, if you've never been to the Oakwood... It's the home of VCD Athletic, proper depths of Southeast London. It's in Bexley. It's a great ground to go for. If you want a burger, if you want to make sure that you are, you know, heads up close to the action... There's a little stand there as well. And actually, to be fair, I think there were more Chelsea fans than Charlton fans at this one. 944 in attendance. I think it's just over 1,000 for a sellout. And the sort of club had been warning about the fact that tickets were going quick. But not quite the drubbing that you might have expected. You know, Emma Hayes rested the likes of Sam Kerr. There was no G, no Erin Cuthbert. And I don't think we were really kidding ourselves that they were going to be there really Beth England was on the bench but Charlton played well defended well in the first half you know they went into the break uh, Chelsea only one nil up and that was really down to the resoluteness of Charlton there was an early sub so Guru Wrighton on for Ramona Backman that happened at around 30 minutes and that made all the difference actually until then Chelsea were really struggling to link up They they looked like a bit of a team of misfits which is probably what they were they hadn't had a lot of playing time together mm. then in the second half, different story really, three goals in the second half. There was another one from Drew Spence, she was the player who'd scored in the first half and two from 16 year old Emily Murphy. This is a great story, she's an academy graduate at Chelsea she made her first competitive start for the senior side after scoring in the Conti Cup a few weeks ago and for a 16 year old, Emily Murphy looks great and it's such a great story and I think about you Mm Shearer, as well, giving up the game at 16 and then you've got this young I mean of course she's been supported 15 thousand times better than you would have been at that age but does it ever make you think when you sort of hear about 16 year olds coming on and tearing up the WSL what would have been?
2: Actually my first thought that I have is that I'm so happy that that's possible, yeah, for someone else. I, I definitely, yeah, I get, I do get emotional. I remember actually when the it was the women's World Cup and and um, you know it was everywhere, and my dad had said to me, oh, it's a, you know it's a joke. He sort of said, oh, it's a good thing that um, you know women's football wasn't as big back then because you probably would have ended up being a footballer. And I remember <laughs> you never won him over then. <laughs> no, no he, The thing is, he he secretly loved watching it now with me. But um, but, the, <laughs> but the, the weird thing is, is I, I paused for a second and I did, I found myself. Tearing up, and I said to him, "Just sort of, I would have loved to have been a footballer, actually, and and just, it's probably the first time that I'd ever sort of said that out loud, yeah. and and I think I was just maybe a little, it was just a bit too early for yeah. me, but I can still play now.
1: Yeah, there you go, That's it is not thing. too late. Um, so an exciting one, a uh, sixteen-year-old Emily Murphy for Chelsea. Final score, four uh, nil uh, to Chelsea, who advanced three to the fifth round.
0: Durham next. They were away at Bristol City. This one had all the makings of a cup upset because it went into added extra time. Durham quarter finalists in each of the last two seasons they were the closest non-top flight side to actually nearly go through. Uh, they took bottom side Bristol City to extra time before bowing out to a Katie Robinson goal for the host. I have to say as well that Bristol did nearly score another in that added time period so it was ne- it was nearly 2-0 in the end. But, Once it was done it was done. Yeah that was it. It was done then but at first <laughs> half really lack chances from both sides. It was all about the second half, that one.
1: Fair play to Durham as well. Uh, Liverpool-Blackburn, I took my eyes across this one. A huge 8-1 scoreline. Welcome news for Liverpool. Struggling in the FAWSL but earning a very convincing win against Blackburn. Player of the match, easily, Rinsola Babajide who scooped up half of Liverpool's goals. So four for her and I think, you know, great for her in terms of being a striker and her confidence. She's
0: looked less than clinical, hasn't she? Really failed to convince in front of Well, goal in, in WSL, season. she hasn't got a goal yet. So <laughs> These goals in the Cup, they could translate to her starting to score in the league, couldn't they?
1: Yeah, it was played at the Sir Tom Finney Stadium at the request of Liverpool because of the conditions at Prenton Park. And talking of conditions, we'll move on to another game, uh, Sandpit, a bit a bit later on. But look, really encouraging signs from Liverpool. Good linking up. Melissa Lawley, I thought, was very good down the right flank. Rachel Furness, again, such a good signing, proving herself again. Neve Charles as well. And the return of Gemma Purfield after injury had some good moments um, to keep the play pretty
0: fluid. So good news there for Liverpool. To Southport next, a stunning long-range Inessa Cagman strike proved decisive as Everton booked their spot in the next round with a 1-0 win over London Bees. Uh, the Netherlands International crashed in a 25-yard shot off the post. Those are always the best ones when they hit the post <laughs> and in. That was on the stroke of half-time. Everton, they were dominant in this one and they will also be wanting that good result to then go into this Merseyside derby, which is a huge one next. But the state of this pitch, Lindsay, oh, I yeah. mean, Flo Lloyd-Hughes, who
1: works for us here on, on on the offside rule, um, made a joke about the competition for the worst pitch of the of the FA Cup fourth round, and Southport. I mean, awful. It, it was basically you know how sometimes they put sand down to kind of stop the mud. Well, this was more sand than it was grass. <laughs> um, and um, I know that Matt's Matt no sliding tackle <laughs> there. Oh, yeah.
2: I'm literally just feeling a wincing. It, like, a wincing. A wincing. Just, yeah.
1: uh, Matt Davis Adams, who of course regularly works across the Totally Football shows. Um, I think he was there covering a Chelsea um, unders game there, and he said it was ridiculous because the, the players kept kicking up the sand and it, and it was going into people's eyes so must do better Southport and the state of that pitch I um, had a quick look across London City Lionesses and Reading Lindsay, uh, England's most capped player Farrah Williams scoring twice uh, Reading winning this one 5-0 away to London City Lionesses very convincing from Reading, organised throughout, 3-0 up at half time after a total of 16 shots on goal in the first half wow. and that sort of tells you how it went it just wasn't the Lionesses way, they missed a pen, they fluffed a chance a few minutes later in the second half so yeah as well as farah getting on the score sheet there were goals for joe potter maz pacheco and lisa marie as well
0: the fa women's super league account on twitter actually put out some stats to do with farah williams um, you're nodding along here because you just know what sort of player yeah, she is. is 128 appearances 66 games won 39 goals scored 27 assists and 244 chances created she's a blooming hero Not isn't bad. she
1: yeah, I'd be happy with that <laughs> yeah I would
0: I think I would as well could have been you Shura
1: that's all I'm oh, saying don't
0: <laughs> Let's go on to the rest of the fourth round ties. Ipswich, the lowest-ranked team left in the competition after fellow National League Division 1 south-east side Town lost on penalties at Lewis. Jubilant scenes as the Tractor Girls beat Huddersfield 4-1 at the John Smith Stadium, and that was a record crowd for Huddersfield. Um, over 1,000, 1,115 fans, and included a first-half hat-trick from a 16-year-old, Maddie Biggs. Another 16-year-old. Well,
1: really delighted to say that joining us now on the line, Ipswich manager Joe Sheehan. Congratulations, Joe. Just tell us about this great win for your side.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah, a wonderful day for us. And an excellent occasion that Huddersfield hosted um, in terms of obviously playing at the John Smith Stadium. And uh, yeah, really good crowd present. And uh, yeah, delighted to get the win and be in the hat for the next round.
0: For those now hearing the name Maddie Biggs for the first time, I mean, they wouldn't have heard it much, much earlier. She's only 16. Tell us about her and what people can maybe expect from her as a player in the future.
3: Yeah, so I've, I've known Maddie quite a few years through the the, the talent pathway, and I've had, yeah I've had a previous so I know what Maddie's capable of and has, has been exposed to um, playing for England at youth age groups at under fifteen and sixteen, and yeah, is part of our very successful under twenty one WSL Academy program that we have, and uh, yeah, a lot of those have been exposed to our first team, and Maddie as a first year has played a little part in in the success we've had so far, and. Uh, yeah, you know, we'd watched a little bit of Huddersfield and we looked at maybe where we could expose them and we thought this could be a game for Maddie and we sensed it during the week. She's looked sharp. She scored against Arsenal and Chelsea the week before. So, yeah, we thought it was time to unleash her and, uh, yeah, first <laughs> half Patrick. The first half has yeah. paid off.
0: Not bad at all. I suppose a serious note to this Let, let's come on to prize money for a minute because uh, women's football journalist Claire Bloomfield, she's got an article in the Daily Mail today. You might have seen it Inside Women's Football Rats in Digs, jam sandwiches for lunch. Uh, The big three aside, few clubs are paying women players more than £20,000 a year. Of course, that's not even anywhere near your facility. But prize money for you for that one, £2,000 for winning. And when you look at the the men's teams in comparison, of course, you're absolutely dwarfed by the the difference in prize money. Is is that something that irks you?
3: It does make things difficult. I mean, you know, we we had a situation... um... In, in a round against Chichester where I think, um, you know, prize money was significantly less than that. And, mm. you know, when you're forking out nearly a £1,000 for a coach, you know, the staff are voluntary, the players don't get paid any expenses. Um, it's a long old day out for something that could potentially cost you more than you're actually getting yes. back. So, yesterday, obviously, the prize money, yesterday was £2,000. Um, the FA, because of the distance, and I think the round we are in, contributed to the accommodation and the travel costs. So and that that's started to help us a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's 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 really helped. Um, it allowed us to prepare how we wanted to prepare. But yeah, it, it, it's a tough one because, you know, the, the, the money is significantly less.
1: Yeah, the men's team's got one hundred eighty thousand, which is not really what you want to hear. It doesn't. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, that, you know,
3: but, I think but. I think that the way the game is going, I'm hoping that you know, with more you know investors and more yeah. sponsors and more partners, that you know, the more people will start coming in and the quality will improve, and hopefully that will. Yeah. That'll end up with more prize money. Have your players played in front of a crowd that size before? Um, Well, it's funny you're saying that because we briefed at the start of the game yesterday. We we honestly felt that, you know, we've we've, we've got probably seven or eight of our players that are under the age of 18 that have have been involved with England across the talent pathway. So we know we've got players that have played for their country in big games in other European countries. We know that we played Norwich back in September in front of nearly a thousand on a Wednesday night that a lot of our players played in that. A lot of our know, men's first team manager was there. A lot of the key mm. stakeholders at the club were there, and, and there was an element of pressure with that because I'd say ninety percent of the crowd had never watched women's football before. So that game to us was as big as we we're ever playing, really, because we had to perform that night, you know, in mm-hmm. front of against our rivals, in front of a lot of people. That was a big game for us. So because of that, we almost feel that every game we now play is is not really going to match up to that in terms of the expectation and the pressure and the crowd and the the rivalry. So, yeah, we we actually felt that yesterday was was just another game and we looked at our players at breakfast, yesterday in the hotel and they did look incredibly relaxed. So, yeah, you know, it, it did feel like it was just another game to them.
0: We're recording just before the draw is made. I'm just wondering who it is you would like in the next round.
3: Yeah, well, looking at it, I mean, I think Bill Ricky are in our league that come close to beating lose yesterday. Um, so that that in mind, you know, maybe they're a team that you know we've we've got a good chance against. Ooh, um,
1: perhaps.
3: Um, what about a
1: big side, uh, Joe? Is there a little bit of you that would like to come up against a Manchester City or an Arsenal? I think Joe's clearly yeah. telling us there he, he wants to go all the way. <laughs>
3: well, it's it's funny that because um, say. I think, like most, you know, sixteen, seventeen-year-old girls, go to the final year on year, and it was funny actually that when the ticket promotion went out last year, none of our players bought tickets, and they said, "We're we're going to try and get there first, and if we don't, then we'll buy the ticket." So six games <laughs> later, I'm starting to wonder if, uh, if maybe they're right.
1: <laughs> this is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, let's sum up the other games. Of course, a bumper set of fixtures. Tottenham were comfortable 5-0 winners over fourth-tier Barnes. League manager Karen Hills praised her side's professional performance, which included a first senior goal for development squad player
0: Alicia Solola. It was also plain sailing for Birmingham. They won 3-0 at Sheffield United. That included a brace from Harriet Scott. Not so easy for Brighton, though, Lens. They suffered a late scare but managed to hold on to beat championship leaders Aston Villa 3-2. Championship side Leicester had the better of National League, Northern Premier side Burnley, a 3-1 win for the Foxes in that one. It was a battle of the
1: Northern versus Southern National League leaders when Sunderland hosted Watford. It was Sunderland who came out on top, beating the Hornets 2-0. Meanwhile, Crawley Wasps took advantage in their absence to go top of
0: the table, so... A bad day all round for Watford on both sides. Coventry United have been inconsistent in the championship recently. Uh, They got a 4-1 win over fourth tier Southampton women. It's the side affiliated with the men's club. And the game was played at St Mary's, the first time the women's side have played there in front of just over 4,500 people. And then we thought we'd made it through a weekend without having any more pitch problems. But no, incredibly, (laughs) Southampton FC women versus Crystal
1: Palace was abandoned with just 10 minutes to go because the pitch was too wet to continue the offside rule. Stu Barker was there he actually said it started off okay the pitch it was muddy but as long as the weather held it was going to be okay but the weather did not hold the rain lashed down and uh, in the second half with just 10 or so minutes to go Palace were 3-0 up at the time but the referee decided to call off the game which Stu said he did feel was the right decision Girls on the Ball a fantastic account to follow on Twitter by the way and online Um, if you've heard of them great fans of female football they go everywhere Uh, they were at the game, too, and they described the playing surface as a mud bath. Yes, the club also tweeted afterwards, it sounded very big brother. The FA will decide <laughs> what happens next. Yes, so we await that decision. Of course, we're recording on Monday afternoon at the moment, so I have to see when that comes through. Well, the draw for the fifth round taking place later on today, that's Monday, uh, that's going to be shown on the BBC, so we'll know very soon who plays who in the fifth round.
2: It's
0: The dulcet tones there of Shora and more music scattered throughout this podcast. And we're going to bring it all back to you again now uh, because we want to know more about you as a musician. We found out about you as the footballer, um, 16, deciding to leave the game. How did music come into your life from that point? Well, I actually think music was partly responsible for my having left the game
2: because the one thing that I, growing up in Manchester, um, that was kind of horrible about playing football was having to go out on very early on a Saturday or a Sunday morning in freezing cold conditions and being told to wear shorts and a t-shirt and um when I picked up a guitar about age 13 I realized that suddenly once I you know once I learned a few chords that rather than freezing to death on a weekend I could stay inside and just Talk about my feelings in my pajamas, in my pajamas, and, and be warm, and also that I wouldn't have to go into school on Monday morning hobbling with kind of various straps on my ankles and all that sort of. <laughs> you so must I have just... had
1: very sore knees after all those sliding tackles. Like it just, yeah, just when the when the top of the skin comes oh, off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I never did not hobble on a kind of Monday morning. I kind of it was a joke in at my school <laughs> yeah. that I was always kind of injured. Um,
0: (laughs) Did you not have the, you know, from plucking a guitar, though, did you not have your fingers? Well, uh, calluses at the end of your fingers
2: compared to kind of half your knee skin being kind of shorn off by
1: astroturf is (laughs) (laughs) it's no comparison it's not really yeah (laughs) so you're a performer you sing you're a music producer Mm. um and you write your own music as well where's the where does the inspiration come from and has that been the same from an early age or how has that evolved as you've gotten older
2: I've I've always written kind of from personal experience, there's lots of people who I mean it's quite common to, to sort of write about about your life. Um, I've always found it easy to do it that way. So I, I normally Normally going through some sort of emotional turmoil, and then I'm like, oh great, then
0: I can have a song. Um, but well, uh, I've been so it's so it's actually easier to write. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, if you're miserable, if you're going through okay, if you're so, miserable. So, so miserable. We all know that from Alanis Morissette, don't we? Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. But no, I have been pretty happy the last few years, so that's that's presented a different challenge. But I, what, what's been great is discovering that actually positive like feelings and emotions it, it can be just as inspiring. I just never really had them for a mm. prolonged
1: time mm. before. So, you released your first album back in, was it 2015, 2016? 2016 for the first record. And then your last, your most recent one was released last, last year. year. Yeah. How are they different? And um, I guess for you, what's the aim when you release an album? Are you quite kind of precious in sort of music terms and say, well, I'm not bothered whether this does well or not, because it's just important mm-hmm. that I've done it? Or is there an aim? Do, do you have to think about about commercial stuff as well when all this is going on?
2: Um, I think there's enough people working with you whose job it is to worry about that stuff yeah. that it's great not to. Yeah. Um, I think the, the most important thing is, as, a, as a musician, as a writer, is to create space for yourself to be creative. So I try not to... I mean, of course, we, you know, we do think you know, we think about stuff and, and worry about stuff, but I certainly didn't go, <laughs> go into music to make an awful lot of money. Yeah. Similarly, I didn't play football to make well, no, an awful lot of money. Either. So I'm, I'm, I'm not driven by kind of yeah. commercial success. I, I am driven by a, a need to sort of express myself in a way that is fun, you know, whether that's on a football pitch or on a yeah. record.
1: Well, also um, for your music to be recognised and to be available for people to listen to, which is, yeah. uh, I guess, the, the great thing, the thing about having so many streaming services and yeah. so many different ways that we can consume music, whether it's through iTunes, whether it's through Spotify. And, you know, you've, you've picked up a fair bit of recognition along yeah. the way as well. well Also, the first song that I
2: ever released kind of had this viral music video. So, I so for me in a way, like I had more success with the first thing that I ever released than I ever dreamed of having over an entire career. So that was quite nice. Why did it become viral? I just think that it was a a video of you know all my you know quite attractive friends kissing (laughs) in slow motion. So I think people were just like, oh, I'll
1: watch that again. And you edited this video, yeah, yeah. So Shura is also a video editor. Uh, Well, Well, all I'm thinking
0: is sex sells.
1: It's, just, yes, it's, the old,
0: it's the oldest rule of
2: time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, I had no money to make a video and I was just like, well, what would be nice with this like slightly sexy, sad song about a breakup? I know, slow motion kissing. Um, and,
0: and it worked. Look, it worked for Katy Perry. Yeah. Got her career yeah. off to a great start yeah. as well. Um, I wonder if you can combine the two in the mm-hmm. sense that with the World Cup in France last year, you may mm. remember in the build up to it for some months, everyone was like, we need a Lionesses song <gasps> because oh, yeah. you've always got Frank Skinner's uh, offering <laughs> yeah. the men's. We need an anthem. Are you going to answer that call? Oh, that would be a really good idea. And I can also think of a lot of, um,
2: of my friends who are musicians and also big football fans who play football who might kind of want to do that together like i'm thinking about Marika Hackman for, mm. in, for instance great musician loves her football like maybe we all just need to get <gasps> the together the challenge has and been do. set there we yeah. go yeah. it needs
1: answering it i needs also answers. need some any other business it'll be music. my first number one ever. <laughs> <laughs> We also have a section called Any Other Business, and I am looking for an Any Other Business. Oh, I knew you'd come on I just just thought I'd lay it out there. Um, Just to sort of finish up on this, I know that you've just recently joined um, football teams in London and Mm -hmm. in New York where you spend a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. So exciting for you Mm -hmm. to be back keeping fit, but also to be be re-engaging, you know, playing the game that you spent so much time on in your younger years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... It brought me so
2: much joy as a, as a child playing football. And um, obviously, it's important to keep fit. And, and I know I split my time between New York and London. And I've been meaning to sort of play football for years um, or get back into playing football. And a friend of mine um, said, you should come and join this team called Gold Diggers in London. As I, I know I Gold Diggers, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I so I've been kind of thinking about it for quite a few months yeah. and, and, and being a bit nervous about it because, um, of course, turning up to hang out with 48 other people who you've never met before in your life. Is quite an intimidating thing, but they're, they're so lovely and, and it's been so much fun to train with them and I, I'm really excited to, you know, carry on just uh, skinning my knees <laughs> every Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday evening um, and then also in New York, yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of... So I'm going to... I don't know if that's even allowed to play for two teams at the same oh, time, I, but I, I guess it if it's
0: totally on the other... Is. I mean, when there's an ocean between them, yeah. I think you get away and with it. And I think it. it'll yeah. be really interesting to see
1: how they how they treat... The game in their spare time over in New York compared mm-hmm. to how gold diggers do. We we if- need
0: to hook you up with Nick Cushing. Let's yeah,
1: there, no? okay. exactly. Um, yeah, I can go watch some game.
2: <laughs> um, uh, well, I did notice. Certainly noticed when I was at university that um, I-, I played for the for the women's team at, at UCL, and um, I do remember that we would have it uh, kind of not exchange, but um, students from from American universities coming for a year yeah. abroad. and I do remember that the the American girls were very shocked by how little. We trained in in, yes. in the UK, and yeah. they do. They take soccer incredibly seriously um, in, in the states, um, and you know it's kind of bigger, for, bigger for women because that's mm. the entrance
1: into the. Um into the
0: American leagues yeah taken very seriously well we wish you the best with the the rest of your career and we'd Thank love you. to hear you back debuting yeah. the Lioness's song for oh, yeah. 2021 Euros it's already, Euros. It. It's already
1: <laughs> written it's yes. got it the all. Euros 2021 yeah. Sure, this yeah, is an yeah. opportunity that cannot be missed I know I'm like writing it scribbling it down in my notes
0: <laughs> uh, here's a few names you can put in the songs okay yeah. if you want to do one worldwide we've got a transfer roundup from okay. around the world you probably Fab. should do a Matilda song as well yeah. is all I'm saying yeah okay <laughs> yes After a deluge of Australian players, Lindsay. WSL and Championship transfer window slam shut on Thursday. So we're going to bring you right up to date with the last minute movers and shakers and contract extensions, beginning with Arsenal. Caitlin Ford, this has finally been announced.
1: Uh, she is uh, now an Arsenal player, Age at the age of 16, she was uh, named in the Matilda squad for the 2011 FIFA Women's World Cup in Germany, awarded best young player. So that tells you some of the pedigree she has. I know we've spoken to um, Alicia Ferguson about her as well. Awesome player, will be very useful to Arsenal indeed, and I'm looking forward to seeing her.
0: Brighton and Republic of Ireland striker Rihanna Jarrett, subject to international clearance. Uh, the 25-year-old signed a six-month contract with the club until the 30th of June to see out the rest of this season, and that's following her expired deal with Wexford Youth. Are you ready for another Aussie? We are ready for another Aussie. That's more South African. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do accents. South Africa. Uh, Let's... (laughs) How do I do Australia? I'm from the Midlands and and I always... When I went on holiday when I was a, a youngster, everyone thought, being from the black country, that I was from Australia...
4: So oh, why really? can't I do it?
1: I, I don't know. Why
0: can't I do uh, it? Don't go anywhere near Bristol
1: City's new signing, Chloe Legazzo, for a while until you've got it sorted. Uh, She's signed <laughs> from Sydney FC uh, for a one and a half year deal. She's 25, been part of the Matilda squad for seven years, made over 40 appearances. So very much bedded in on the international uh, scene. She'll be a welcome addition to Bristol City, I'm sure. Striker, winger Maxine Bennick arrives also from Brighton on loan until the end of the season. After my awful attempt, please do Liverpool's oh my gosh, one as well. it's another, another Australian. Australian, Riley Foster, <laughs> <laughs> Aussie goalkeeper. Listen, this is a great signing for Liverpool, actually. bought in as extra cover after Fran Kitchen, that horror injury over her head. Um, but the nice thing about this story is that she has Never Walk Alone tattooed on her bicep as Riley Foster. And because her grandparents are originally from Liverpool. So they say that synchronicity happens mm. and so has it done so at Liverpool. So,
0: yeah, welcome to her. Nick Cushing leaves Manchester City knowing that his captain Steph Horton will be there for some time she signed a contract extension big news for them Manchester United and midfielder Amy Palmer has been brought back from her loan at Sheffield United finally
1: West Ham Republic of Ireland forward Little Littlejohn has signed a deal until the end of the season she'd originally been with a playing with the club on non-contract terms and Kate Longhurst has signed a new
0: two and a half year deal now I'm no songwriter right but when you've got a player Roaysha Littlejohn suddenly I'm thinking also Sorts of uh, music to do with Sherwood Forest. I mean, I think that you might have to come in and write this with us. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my brain goes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay, it's Lindsay. not an option. It's <laughs> non-optional. You're writing it with. There, there's there's going to be a great song in the crowd, I think, at West Ham for Little John. Come on, really? Yeah, there is, has to be. It
1: is, it is a fairly yeah. common surname.
0: Oh, well. Anyway,
1: uh, listen, it's the Conti Cup this week, everyone. Conti Cup semi-finals. Uh, Manchester United versus Chelsea. Arsenal play Man City Wednesday evening, half past seven. Lindsay, who do you fancy? I mean, this, these are great ties oh. to get your head round, aren't they?
0: I, it's so difficult. Because it's the last game or one of the last games before Nick Cushing departs, I wonder if Manchester City are going to go all out in this to try and get him into a final before he leaves.
1: Yeah, possibly. But they are but playing Arsenal, away. But Arsenal then, have been looking good. OK, I'm going to say... Chelsea just because of the depth of their squad um, a lot of their key players were rested at the weekend of course when they came up against Charlton in the FA Cup so for me I can see Chelsea making their way through against Manchester
0: United mm, I think it might be a Chelsea City final
1: Oh, uh-huh. sure for you on these Conti Cup semi-finals night United Chelsea Arsenal Man City I mean, as a as a former City player, I've <laughs> got I to go to, with that one. I, Yeah, I've got to go with City. <laughs> well, one man, of course, who's going to be all across it, Manchester City Women manager Nick Cushing. He leaves to take up the post of assistant manager of MLS side New York City at the end of this week. It's his final game this weekend. Let's have a chat.
0: So let's talk about your final week then, Nick, in uh, in Manchester. How are you feeling about it?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because we've got two. You know, two games that we wanted to be involved in at the start of the season, in the sense of we're nearly in February and we've got an opportunity to get into the League Cup final, which is the first trophy that we play for. And you know, we can go three points clear at the top of the league if we beat Arsenal at home. But you know, we know that they're going to be incredibly difficult games. We know that we've beaten Arsenal in previous seasons, but we've also been beaten by them. And obviously, being the last week and the last two games that I'm gonna I'm gonna do as the coach of the team, it's. Probably gives us a little bit more, me personally, a little bit more motivation to try and make sure we get two wins, but... For me, it's about making sure the team's set up to go and achieve what we set out at the start of the year and that's win trophies. And, you know, Saturday gives us an opportunity for the draw this afternoon and then obviously Wednesday gets us into the final of the cup that we hold and then, you know, the big game at home and the league game. I think either, whatever happens on Wednesday, Sunday will be such a big game.
1: It is a huge game. You're sitting top of the WSL at the moment, Arsenal in second. And of course, it would be lovely for you to leave the club with your side top of the league. That must be... Just a small personal ambition of yours before you go.
4: Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we've had so much success over the last six seasons and I've met some incredible people. I've worked with some brilliant staff and we've developed Manchester City women's from not ever playing a game into to where it is now. And, you know, of course, the objective for me is to make sure that we leave the club in a place, you know, where the next manager and the players that are here can continue to be successful and you know I feel like I've I've left the club with, with a good foundation irrelevant of what happens over the next 7 days that you know we've put the foundations in for a club that can go on and be successful in England can go on and be successful in Europe but you know, of course, I want to win the last two games because you know they mean so much to
0: the team. It's been an absolute pleasure, Nick, covering uh, the majority of your career in six years at Manchester City. I've seen quite a few uh, different league titles handed to you and cup competitions. And I've even seen you running down the touchline when you thought that you were, you were going to become a father. Um, and there, there was lashings of rain that day. There's so many things that I'm sure you look back on. But in terms of standout memories, uh, what, what would you say is, is the overriding one?
4: Um, I think it was two, really. I think the first trophy in 2014 was incredibly important. When I reflect now, it was incredibly important for the club, for the belief, for recruitment of players for 2015, for Champions League qualification the following season. That trophy really was the catalyst for that. But then also, you know, 2017, leading the team out of Wembley, Steph Horton, Manchester City, England captain, led the team out with my my eight-year-old son, Harry, and we went on to lift to lift the FA Cup, which is such an iconic trophy and such an iconic stadium. It was definitely a a real career highlight of mine.
1: Do you know, I met you when uh, we were we were doing the um, inaugural WSL1 and WSL2 launch. I think it was over at BT Sport and we a- actually hadn't heard too much about you, Nick, uh, although you'd been at the club for some time beforehand. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, about 6 years on, you've thoroughly made your name in English women's football, um, and you're of course heading across the pond now to New York City to the MLS and the men's game. What challenges do you expect, both personally and professionally, when you head over?
4: Um, I think I think professionally the challenge will be to support a head coach. You know, I've been a head coach now for six seasons, and the role will will slightly change in the sense of Ronnie is the head coach, and I'm the assisting him and supporting him. But I feel at the stage of my career that I'm up to be a better head coach. I think I've got to go and support somebody with more experience. I think the challenge is to continue winning. I think the MLS is an incredibly competitive league where, you know, New York, we want to we want to be successful. We're probably in the same position we were in at Manchester City Women's in 2016 where we'd put in some years of foundation. We'd done really well, but we now want to go on and win titles. And, you know, I'm excited for this year with, with New York. I think personally, it's you know, going to a different culture, taking my wife, my children out, you know, new house, new schools, it's a... And we're starting a new life, but you know we're we're excited for that. I understand that. You know, in football, those things happen, and you have to move about, and opportunities come from all over the world. It's such a global game. Mm. Um, but you know, we're we're excited for. We're excited for the change and and the challenge.
0: I'm sure you can get advice from other coaches in terms of adapting to the culture over there. You know, Emma Hayes as coach in America, Matt Beard, uh, Laura Harvey. I'm sure you know quite a lot of these names that you can talk to, but none of them going over to the men's game. Do you think that there's going to be more of this in the future where leagues across the world look to the women's game and, and coaches that have been in charge for some time and had considerable success and maybe poaching them more?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, coming to Manchester City women's from the Boys Academy was never, I never saw that as a negative. I never had a, a negative perception of that. It was a huge opportunity for me. And, you know, I would i would happily come back from New York in the future and, and be the head coach of a women's team. You know, i I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't see any difference in coaching in the men's or the women's game. I see myself as a coach. You know, I've been asked multiple questions when I was in the job of you know do I feel I'm blocking the pathway for female coaches and now I'm going over to the men's game I'm getting asked you know am I leaving the, the women's game for the men's <laughs> no game The men's game is better so yeah I, I, I do think that as a as a, a football club whether it be men's or women's I think the aim is to look for the best person and there's some incredible coaches in the women's game I actually spoke to Emma at Lent about New York she lived in New York for seven years when she was over in America and she's helped me a lot and you know I think whether it is the men's or the women's games like I say I think there's some very very good coaches and you know for me it's about trying to become the best coach I can be to either return to the women's game or continue on in the men's game
0: Nick Cushing there. So let's have a quick look at next weekend's fixtures as well. And his final game, Manchester City against Arsenal. Level on points separated on goal difference and by just one goal. Liverpool play
1: Birmingham 10th versus 11. Whoever wins this could get a cushion away from the relegation spots.
0: Important game. There's also Brighton against Everton. Chelsea v West Ham. Chelsea poised to take advantage depending on how City and Arsenal finishes. Reading play Manchester United and finally Tottenham host Bristol City. Let's move on to any other business. I'm not afraid of Listen,
1: we've already had some Matilda's chat already on this podcast, but I feel that we need to mention a pretty strong intervention from the side who have requested that February's Tokyo 2020 qualifiers have been moved from China to Sydney.
0: That's, of course, because of the coronavirus. I think we'll see more things like that happening throughout sport, Mm. actually. Uh, This story's been gaining traction as well. A female footballer has been speaking out. Sue Lopez, a pioneer of women's football, has become the first female player to publicly blame. Her dementia on years of heading the ball could open so many different studies, Uh, couldn't it? There. Uh, she was the first British woman to play semi professionally abroad. She represented England 22 times during a career spanning three decades. Uh,
1: yeah, she said she wanted young footballers to stop heading the ball amid research suggesting women can more easily. We know that there are suggestions of that in the men's game, and already, I think, in Scotland, they don't allow under 12s to head the ball. So this is um, mm. an
0: ongoing story. That and ACL injuries that people are looking into yeah, as well. Yeah, lots of research going on. There's an interesting piece from Susie Rack, I think, about that one. Well, that's all from this week's show. We'll be back with more next week, as ever, when we'll react to that massive clash at the top of the table, plus all the other weekend's action, including Conti Cup as well. Yeah, be sure to take a look at the website. We've got Alistair Hooper
1: looking at how Goro Wrighton could be regarded as the WSL's most underrated player. No relation. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There there is going to be full review of the FA Cup fourth round there for you as well, and plenty
0: more to get stuck into too. It's OffsideRulePodcast.com. Thank you very much, Shura, for joining us. What is on the agenda, first of all, for the rest of this year and beyond?
4: Well,
2: I'm off to uh, Thailand and Japan at the end of this week on Thursday for some shows which Ooh. is pretty exciting I bet they love you I bet Japan they're well a great audience kind of got, yeah. I've never been this oh, is my first time going to Japan so I'm I very excited I think it'll go well yeah, I'm, I'm super excited I'm le- slightly sad that it means I'll probably miss two weeks of training um, <laughs> so I have like, to, like now yeah. yeah no I'm really into it I'm like I'm not, I can't believe that I haven't joined one, one sooner it's well, really there you well, go. never you too are, late
0: you are hotel gym for you yeah just have yes, to sit yeah.
2: around the gig just ask people to bash my knees for me just to simulate you know a week's
1: training uh, well if you have been enjoying Shura's music do look her up S-H-U-R-A Shura you can find her on most places that you can download um, music and please in do. most places <laughs> somewhere
2: yeah
1: oh uh, yeah the Dolly Parton challenge oh I did someone did, did that. You do oh, that a fan
2: did it for me and oh, it's really? just a series of baby odors in different because I'm quite a big baby yoda <laughs> okay. fan as well yeah but I might do my own I definitely found my um my LinkedIn picture I just haven't decided on the,
0: on the, the other, others yeah mm. uh, I'm the opposite I found all of the other ones apart from the tinder one
1: yeah i, I haven't well, even looked yeah I, I i feel like this is too much of my time needed the thing is the
2: tinder one it, you could you could just find the best picture of you i have what got a would, tinder one actually yeah. i've got
0: one where i'm stood on a table dancing yeah. would be perfect wouldn't yeah.
2: it or you do yeah you do that you go down that roof. Like, <laughs> but it's like do you put the sexiest picture of you down or do you put like the most hilarious picture of you down it's like i haven't decided i haven't come down on one side
0: or the other yet Uh, Well, it's been such a pleasure. I'll work on yours, Kate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show, Sheree. Good luck. Thank you. very much uh, for sharing this week's show with us. Listeners, we will speak to you
0: again next week. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at com. And for more from The Offside Rule, head to our website,
1: offsiderulepodcast.com. Marini's
2: Media.